Music has changed. How it makes us feel never will. The time is now to visit mstudios.co.za. Brought to you by Old Mutual. Hi, I'm Mac G, and this is the Amp Studios Creative Industry Podcast, a series of masterclasses that are designed to help you build a business in the music industry. Proudly brought to you by Old Mutual. Amp Studios is a free culture hub facility situated in the heart of downtown Johannesburg in Newtown with uh, world-class recording studios, co-working spaces, video facilities, a stage and streaming facilities all free and designed to help young artists build a career in the music industry. If you'd like to be a part of the Amp Studios or check out all the masterclasses and content we've created for you, just go to www.ampstudios.co.za or send us your name to our WhatsApp line on 081-707-6636. That's 081-707-6636. DJ Fresh is most likely the most recognizable name in South African radio. Despite unbelievable success as a DJ, his journey has been bumpy and difficult. After a lifelong strategic career path to get himself on his dream radio station, he then had to abruptly leave. In this week's masterclass, DJ Fresh opens up about how to have a career that can survive any twist and turn. So there's two truths first. The first truth is I'm used to a crowd in front of me. So right now I only have crew. Uh, What's up, crew? (laughs) Uh, So it's weird. I'm going to literally be talking uh, straight into camera. Now, the second truth is that I actually don't like public speaking. Believe it or not, I'm a very shy guy. Yes, I love radio. I love DJing. But I don't appreciate the attention I get from everything that I do, but I have to navigate the tension because I need to do what I love in the hope that it will change someone else's life, which is why I choose to speak right now. One of the reasons I'm the shy guy I say I, I am is because I was bullied a lot as a kid. You know, you're a short, fat little kid with a big head, a big kid who got the name Fresh because he was told he looked fresh like meat. Not much has changed, right? He just grew a little. So what did I do about it? I decided that I was going to flip the script. I literally developed a razor tongue and a sharp mind because I figured from an early age that bullies only thrive because you sit and you take it. I mean, I remember when I was in primary school, there was a farmer from the Northwest. Uh, He donated grass for a football pitch at our school, and our grade five teacher, Mrs. Ashworth, said we must write letters thanking this farmer. And so we got writing. Uh, Remember, we're in grade five. And my letter started with, hi, my name is Tato. I'm a young, handsome 10-year-old. Note, I already thought I was handsome at 10, despite the fact that you might have differed uh, in your thoughts. And I remember Mrs. Ashworth in front of the class saying, there's nothing handsome about you. You're just a fat little kid with a swollen head. I've never forgotten that. But I do remember, though, saying, the only difference between me and you is that I'm black and you are white. Because she was also short and fat and quite rotund, if I will. So I got in trouble for it but it felt good. And I think it's important to never let anyone determine how you feel about yourself 
or your self-esteem. I worked out how to get the last word. And that's, that was always my thing. So whether I retorted to your face or in my mind, because you're my mother and I can't say it to your face, I always got in the last word. In fact, I'd like to think it prepared me for radio and for thinking on my feet, which you have to do when you're live on the radio. That's the one thing I appreciate about being bullied. I developed the silver lining belief from that. By the time I was 11, having embraced that nickname, even my school teachers were calling me fresh. So in a way, bullying prepared me for the entertainment industry. And everyone takes shots at you in entertainment. Everyone has an opinion about your career. You can't even post a demo on Twitter without someone having an opinion about you. There's a lot of hatred, negativity on social media. They can be hard to deal with, but you have to learn to separate people who are being hateful from people who are actually giving you constructive criticism. So I've dealt with people, for instance, that have said not necessarily the most flattering stuff, either about me or my radio show or stuff I've done on TV, but I don't dismiss it. I take everything that's been said and I go through everything that's been said to find out if there's any truth. Listen, be discerning, decide what you can use to be better and what to throw out. But yeah, I'm still a shy guy doing public speaking because I believe uh, part of our constant growth really comes from facing our fears. And facing our fears is how you become the best version of yourself. I wanna share a couple of my fears that I used to fuel the fire. In no particular order, I'm afraid of waking up one day and feeling despondent or uninspired. Two, losing my fighting instinct. Three, losing empathy. Four, becoming the person my mom didn't raise. And I think number six, spiders. I am scared of spiders. I can safely say that my fear of spiders is probably not gonna go away. But let's take a look at the other ones since they have less legs for me to contend with. So I knew what I wanted to be by the age of 13. But I face the challenge of many kids today, especially in the black community, where you're told, find something sustainable, more mainstream, more conventional, be a lawyer, be a doctor. In fact, kids today are still being told you can't pursue the arts or anything out of the ordinary. So what did I do? I listened, as any good child does, and I went to law school, but I wasn't happy. The fear of not becoming, of not at least trying to become what I knew I wanted to be, created a rebellion within me. I've always been motivated by two factors. When people say, you can't do that, I've always taken it as a challenge, not as a decree. I mean, I still remember my family law lecturer saying, it's a big mistake you're making dropping out. You'll amount to nothing. Those words still ring in my head. With everything that I do, I remember my family law lecturer saying, you'll amount to nothing. The second thing, I made sure that if I was going to do what they say I couldn't, that I did it well. Because I hate being told I told you so. Because I was raised not to be smug and full of myself, I'd rather let the quality of my work do that for me. My internal rebellion reached a watershed moment of what I'd like to call cutting your nose off because you think you deserve a better one. So I purposefully flunked out of law school. 
Uh, obviously, the parents were unimpressed. And I don't advocate for flunking as an ideal path to reaching your dreams, but it worked for me because I had a plan and I knew how I was going to get from A to B. I got an opportunity to study media in uh, Johannesburg and I knew it was my chance to make it into the industry. I came to Josie, studied media, journalism, copywriting, got hired as a radio DJ in a couple of months, and the rest is history. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. You know, I worked the demo circuit for five years. For five years, working my demos. Every conceivable radio station at the time got my demo. But then opportunity came along. You can call it the universe conspiring, you can call it your guardian angels, call it God if you will, or somebody who cared just opening the door for me. But because I was always ready for every opportunity, I could take action immediately. You just have to stay ready, stay awake, stay sharp. So I'm six months away from my final exams, it's 1997, and one of my classmates says, here's a Soweto newspaper, YFM are holding auditions for a new DJ search. Um, I think 2,000 of us auditioned, and I saw the ad the day before the final audition. But because I was ready, I literally had all my demo tapes, I had my CV, which I literally updated quickly, and I got to uh, YFM Studios the next day, and after obviously the whole process, I got the YFM gig. My attitude has always been, if it's an opportunity, even if it means you fake it until you make it, I'm gonna do that. So I ask you, what is your rebellion? What do you stand for? What are you passionate about? Find that rebellious spirit and feed that spirit. Make yourself and your dreams enough of a worthy cause to fight for, because that's what I did. Uh, for me, it was by any means necessary, I wanna get to Jersey and I wanna make this dream work. But it can't work unless you're prepared. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Amp Studios Music Industry Podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after these. Old Mutual Rewards wants to empower you to reach your financial goals and reward you for taking steps towards your dreams. Joining us on this journey of financial well-being will earn you points in a variety of ways. You can start earning points simply by signing up, updating your profile and referring your friends and family. Continue earning points by doing online tutorials and assessments, calculating your savings goals, generating a credit report, and even by meeting an Old Mutual financial advisor. Having your financial needs met with certain Old Mutual products will also earn you points. Depending on the number of financial needs met with Old Mutual, the higher your rewards tier is and the more points you earn. It's time to take control of your financial future. Visit www.oldmutual.co.za forward slash rewards and join today. Welcome back. Let's get back into this week's Amp Studios Music Industry Podcast. I'll tell you a story. So Christos was one of the only white DJs doing gigs in the townships in the early 90s. And I remember I was still in Botswana at the time at university. I'd asked my dad for his car telling him, listen, I'm studying with my friends tonight. And we'd grab our passports, drove to the border, crossed it, and drove to Club Gemini in Mabopani, Pretoria. I'd watch Christos perform, and then around 3 a.m., we'd drive back to the border, wait for it to open at 6, drive back home, give my dad his car keys, 
and say thanks. We studied well. And the irony is, I did study well. Maybe it wasn't the law books he thought it was, but I was studying my hero, Christos, at work. I met another mentor of mine, Oskido, doing a gig in the December of 92. And then he says, my man, I need to wee-wee. I'm quoting, please mix the next song for me. In front of what was to me a massive crowd of a thousand people, I said, oh, don't worry about it, Oskido. I've got this. That time, I'm literally peeing myself. So I mixed the first song. How? Oskido is still not back. So I must find another vinyl. Three songs later, he shows up and says, let's play together. And for me, that was the biggest moment in my career. The lesson for me from that has always been, you don't know when that opportunity is gonna happen. You need to be prepared all the time. You never know when someone might need to wee-wee, and it could be your time to shine. <laughs> in fact, a lot of people who get radio gigs will tell you that's how they got the radio gig. Someone failed to show up. And whenever I went up to these DJs or anybody else that I looked up to and I introduced myself, um, I made sure I knew my story. I kept it brief. I instinctively knew that after a minute, I could lose that person. So it's important that you're considerate with other people's time, regardless of how much you may feel they might be able to assist you. More often than not, after a minute, you've lost that person, especially when you need their time and they don't need your time. What are you gonna say in that one minute that you have to do an elevator pitch to that person? It's all good hustling to get these gigs, but the work actually starts once you get the gig. The minute you're in, that's actually when the trouble starts. It might be difficult getting in, but it's harder to stay in. And after 28 years in the industry, it doesn't get easier. I'm seeing kids who make it in this industry become arrogant, become complacent. They get caught up in their own hype. It's an unfortunate truth that often to be brave, to change, to be better, we must put ourselves in situations outside of our comfort zones. And that comfort zone is, I've got the gig, I can now get into cruise control. There's no time for cruise control once you've got the gig. I mean, a couple of years ago, we were celebrating Madiba's 100th birthday. And if there's one man who showed us the link between bravery and discomfort, suffering to change our lives for the better, it's him. Even in our darkest moments, when you're faced with a challenge, that seems insurmountable. That's often when you can get the most creative. I can't stress this enough. Don't doubt yourself. Don't doubt your capabilities. We were built to survive. We were built to thrive. And I've never shied away from any challenge because those are the times that I have grown the most. I mean, I remember when I moved from uh, YFM to 5FM. They'd never had a black drive-time DJ in their history. And that alone was pressure that was so daunting. Literally the month before I started at 5FM, every single night, I had nightmares about that move. But in my mind, I said, you know what? I'm gonna do it. And in fact, instead of just doing one drive show, I'm gonna do both drive shows. And that's what I did. Because I was not willing to one, let myself down, 
but also let down a legion of other kids who look like me that might have thought that that space doesn't belong to me. As long as you're talented enough, as long as you're qualified enough, why the hell not? And my need to change how black kids thought about themselves became bigger than my fear of actually moving to 5FM. Let your bigger purpose lead you even to where your fears are on some, are you sure you want to do this? So I've been talking about learning, 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 but my kids are teaching me more about myself than I could have ever imagined. I've got a five-year-old, and he doesn't understand how much I've learned from him. So Lefika was born premature, so he spent two and a half months in ICU, and because he was born premature, he developed a congenital lung defect where they had to operate and remove half of his one lung. The amazing thing about the human body is that, for instance, the other lung, the good lung, then grows to compensate for the space that was created during the operation when half of his other lung was removed. Life will find a way, and when you're faced with a challenge that seems like, I don't know that I can do this, that's often when we need to get going. I don't doubt myself, I don't doubt my capabilities. We were built to survive, we were built to thrive. I've made a lot of bad decisions because I didn't take five. Often someone would come and say, I've got a brilliant idea. And I'd be the first one to say, put me on coach, where do I sign? But one thing I've learned from those mistakes is there's actually no pressure and nothing wrong with saying, listen, I'm gonna sleep on this. There's nothing wrong with saying I will think about it and consulting other people, getting other opinions, reading up more before you sign on the dotted line. Another thing that I'm learning on this journey of mine is that you need to give a damn about other people. I can tell you right now that I have an army that I can call on any time of the day because I've given a damn as I've lived my career. I remember I was at a music conference in Miami a couple of years ago, and there was a well-known DJ there, and I overheard him mentioning in passing that his mother-in-law had cancer and was in hospital. And I remember we were chatting on Instant Messenger a couple of months later, and I asked him how his mother-in-law was doing. And he was literally close to tears, at least that's what he said to me, because he didn't think anyone was listening enough to want to follow up and ask, how is your mother-in-law doing? It's little things like that that allow you to build an army. There's a lot of pain around us. So often we program ourselves not to see it. But I often say, don't let it become a habit. Taking a moment to start giving a damn is all the difference more often than not in another person's life. People never forget the way you make them feel. It's easy to make people feel invisible. We get caught up in ourselves and we forget to make people feel like they belong. You get to work, there's the security that you don't even greet because it's security, they're doing their job and you know, I need to get to my big office. Everyone is part of a bigger picture. When I get to a gig, I make sure that I greet everyone. I take time to ask their names, how are they doing, from security to the cleaners to the sound guy, because the party experience that the club patrons have that night is the sum total of all of us making an effort. If your staff feel visible, 
they feel that they matter. If they feel that they matter, they do better. If they do better, business becomes better. If you can apply that in everything that you do, if you can practice being lacquer versus being cuck, you can be the difference in everything that you do. Your empathy and your humility a lot of the time will actually open doors your talent will never even touch. My mother is the one who taught me the value of giving a damn. She did a lot of charity work when we were growing up. So mentoring for me is a big part of my life. Mentoring that I do is part of the charity work that I feel I ought to do. I mean, I've mentored, what, close on a thousand DJs through the course of my career. When you mentor someone who looks up to you, that is younger, that is fresher, that is faster, Somewhere down the line, they're probably going to repay that favor. Hence, I've got an army behind me. I, I can't stress this enough. It's so important to find out what drives you, what gives you meaning, what gives you purpose. And my mentoring, my giving back, is what gives my life meaning. I work in an industry where I have a platform to reach a lot of people, to try and inspire them. I mean, I remember I moved to Metro deliberately because I felt I could change more lives there than if I'd gone somewhere else. I wanted to be where I could be of the most benefit to others. And you don't need to be on the radio to change people's lives. Never think you don't matter or are insignificant. We all leave a legacy. How many people are feeding how many more people because you bothered, because you helped, because you gave an opportunity? I always say I'm part of Oskidonomics or the Oskido economy because he gave me an opportunity and I'm one of thousands that Oskido has assisted. The Oskido economy has probably generated easily a couple billion dollars. That's just from one person who gave a damn. Now, inspired by that, I see why I need to do the same. So, for instance, my foundation has given what, 2,000 bursaries to kids to develop their futures in the industry. I've mentored 1,000 young DJs, and I make it my mission to give a little bit of hope, inspiration, random general knowledge every day over the radio. I try to be the best man, the best husband, the best father I can be for my family, and that is my legacy. The big question is, what is yours? Thank you. That was part one of this Amped Studios Masterclass. Tune in next week to hear part two on the Amped Studios Music Industry Podcast. Brought to you by Old Mutual. Hope you're learning a lot and loving the series. Please subscribe right now to make sure you don't miss out on more. And if you'd like to see videos or access more content or even use the Amped Studios facilities, or maybe you just want to be part of our Amped Studios journey, go to our website. That's ampedstudios.co.za. AMPDstudios.co.za and sign up there. You can also sign up by sending your name to our WhatsApp line on 081 707 That's 081 707 Music has changed. How it makes us feel never will. The time is now to visit mstudios.co.za. Brought to you by Old Mutual.